Hello, and welcome to Skywire's Digging Deep. This podcast is all about amplifying voices that are not often heard, and about self-improvement and growth, especially during these challenging times. I'm your host, Daniel Andrade. In order to keep everyone safe and healthy, we are recording this interview a little differently than our other podcasts. Instead of being in the same room with my guest, we are practicing social distancing and recording this interview online. We apologize for how this method may affect the sound quality, but also wanted to make sure that we could provide you with the show while also keeping everyone safe and sound. With that in mind, let's get started. My guest today is Monica. I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. So, Monica, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what you do, uh, whatever you want people to know. Uh, thank you, Doc A. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Monica Fung. I'm from San Diego, California, and I'm a bartender and live event marketer. And uh, how old are you? I am 31 years old. And uh, did you grow up here in San Diego? I did. I'm a native, which is apparently very rare when I speak with many guests because I'm considered a unicorn. Everyone's like a transient or a transplant. I was about to tell you the same thing, is that I always get the, oh, you're one of those people. You're like, you're a unicorn. I, <laughs> I literally hear the exact same word, that you're a unicorn. Exactly. <laughs> Being born and raised here. Um, so how long have you worked uh, in the industry? I have worked probably over 10 years and counting. I've kind of lost count of how long I've been in the restaurant and bar and nightlife industry. Um, I started everywhere from being a host um, to food runner, busser, uh, bartender, server, and even DJing a little bit at my past uh, bar job. Mm -hmm. Uh, What kind of drew you into the industry at first? Because it's definitely not something that's for everybody. It definitely isn't something for everybody, but my drive was definitely to make enough money to support myself. And I also love to make money off people who kind of spend it frivolously. (laughs) I guess I was a natural born hustler and the fact that if I'm going to party, I'm going to get paid to party. I mean, that sounds like the way to go if you ask me. (laughs) So my first question for you is, how has the pandemic uh, affected your your day-to-day life? Uh, it was super strange, uh, especially just going out to the grocery store at first and realizing that, oh, like, everyone's covered, their face is partially covered, like, we're all wearing masks, uh, there's this just fear of something you can't see, which was coronavirus. Uh, I lived... I lived in a predominantly Asian neighborhood and it was a major concern for me that maybe somebody was going to act out at me or make racist comments because I did hear uh, in my own neighborhood that uh, Asians were being verbally abused and attacked. Unfortunately, they were the elderly as well and I just felt concerned because usually what it seemed like people were attacking were the generally quote-unquote weak or um it would they were easy to pick on and it was unfortunate to hear about yeah i mean it's just really upsetting 
that in, in a time where we should be trying to band together to fight this as a unit, that we kind of find ways to uh, divide ourselves. But we'll get more into that um, further down the line. Uh, how has this pandemic affected your work? You know, you said that you're in the industry, which is a very active job. So how has it affected your, your work life? It's been super crazy for the first, I'd have to say, four to five months because everything was shut down. We were not allowed to go back to work, which was super understandable as a small business out there, which I usually work for small businesses over corporations, is that they can only hire enough labor on. It's usually going to be the owner and the chef, and they're just working the whole place by themselves to do takeouts. Um so unfortunately i wasn't able to be picked back up well my restaurant was a little different because we had a grand opening too that was postponed because of coronavirus um but now that we're open it's kind of quote unquote normalized again uh however it's been more of a struggle for my event marketing side because we've been completely shut down everything's been postponed or canceled there's talk about you know, maybe getting creative in 2021 with how they're going to move forward with um, how they're going to present concerts, festivals, anything like even the Del Mar Fairgrounds uh, races or um, anything event related really has been crushed or even us going out and giving people samples of Anheuser-Busch products or fitness products. That's uh, the other side of work that I had that has been really hit, and it's super frustrating and sad. Um, Understandable because the coronavirus did really hurt a lot of people. Um, It's the silent killer, as most people have seen it. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so have you gone back to work with like the new rules and regulations yet? Or is that something that's coming up soon? Uh, we we do get updates uh, with certain companies, whether they're going to move forward. Uh, however, I guess San Diego is a smaller market, so I haven't been able to get work here. Um, I feel like it's similar in Vegas where I frequent Uh, because their cases have risen, so they don't feel like they would want to move forward. I believe LA tried to open up some events again, uh, but haven't really heard back. Um, Not really depending on it, which is unfortunate, so I definitely just depend on my hospitality industry jobs right now, which have become a blessing, because a bunch of us were very in La La Land, like, we didn't know what we were doing. It was cool for a few months, and then after a while, it was just, oh, like, I'm lost now, and I'm, I don't know what to do. I have no motivation in life, because there's nothing that was there to keep us going. I definitely understand that, that, uh, you know, at first, many people maybe almost kind of saw it in a weird way as like a sort of vacation or something, like, oh, I guess I don't have to do anything for a while. But I think we all kind of hit that breaking point where it just, and then some people reacted to that breaking point very differently than others, where uh, either they complied and they were like, ah, oh, this is annoying, but okay, I'll stay at home. Or they just completely went the other direction and were like, I'm not going to listen to it. Like, I'm going to go out and do what I want to do. Um, 
but in terms of like you know struggling to find your motivation and all of that um what have you been doing at home to try and maintain your your energy your enthusiasm and um your your spirit uh so what i worked on in the beginning was more getting creative more online and pushing myself to um put myself out there whether it was singing or uh, making content for TikToks or just realizing that I could take photos myself if I just had the right means like a ring light or just making like new investments in myself that I normally wouldn't because I was spending elsewhere like socializing outside with friends and having a drink or you know going out with them but now it's like you can spend money on yourself at home and you know really invest in yourself which made me super happy um also i got to cook a lot more at home which i'm pretty sure a lot of people do but entertaining for my roommates at home was actually really fun whether it was cooking or baking or just fine toning my bartending and mixology skills so having able to do that like right now I'm working on a clarified milk punch which in my mind I would never be able to do but now I'm getting like super excited that it's it's gonna happen and I'm doing it I'm doing it (laughs) that is amazing that's I would have never guessed anything like that so the fact that you're still like building upon all of that is just really fascinating and that sounds like something I want to try when we're all able to hang out again and we're able to (laughs) properly safely socialize so I'm, I'm glad you're maintaining that. Um, one one question that I kind of had for you specifically in regards to your industry is that, um, you know, I I somewhat was tangentially working in that industry as well. So um, as as we both know, uh, working the nightlife, you deal with a lot of drunk people and a lot of people that can be a little unruly. And that's just that was before the pandemic. That was when everything was just like normal, and you you would expect like to have these people that were giving you trouble, giving you attitude. So do you kind of, um, there have been a few cases that we've seen of like people being mean or rude at like um, coffee places or restaurants or something. So do you kind of anticipate um, this getting worse, like the combination of the alcohol plus the kind of conflicting attitudes and beliefs that there are out there and um if so like how do you plan on combating that uh it's so frustrating to see that because at first before i started work i did have this like inkling on my shoulder like oh no one better look at me wrong or say anything wrong to me because they are not playing with the right person right now um, but that's, that's the me that comes out if it's, it's just like the energy you emit out. It's, you're going to be given back the negative energy if you're throwing it back at me. And I'm fortunate where none of that has actually happened. But, um, again, going back to the story in my neighborhood, it seems like people who are, you know, being rude and just outright making crazy comments at people they they choose to target the ones that aren't going to fight back. Uh, they target people who, you know, have no means of saying it 
um, you know, they English might not be their first language, they're struggling, or they may be older, and they have no one to fend for but themselves. Um, so sometimes I think that will happen, but also I'm very fortunate that I work at a more mature place where people don't act like that. And I think that really helps that I realized in life that, hey, like I pushed myself for a reason, especially in hospitality. I've worked for from everything from like a small mom pop shop with 12 tables to now like a really great Michelin star backed restaurant where, you know, I won't come into problems like that. So I, I do feel very fortunate that I'm working with a more mature crowd that, you know, is very understanding of the masks that are enforced, um, aren't, you know, xenophobic, racist, or anything like that. They're just there to have a good time and trying to feel normal again in the society now. I'm very happy to hear that, too. Um, It's hard enough, like I said, doing this job before the pandemic. So, you know, I was definitely worried for a lot of my friends in the industry like yourself. Um, I, I mean, I know you can fend for yourself. Like, I have no... Uh, worries about you being able to tackle or uh, handle these uh, these these mean rude people but it it did just kind of like it was a thought that I've had a lot in my head uh, because um, you know you're you're providing a service and you know people should be more respectful when it comes to when it comes to receiving that service and especially when it's putting yourself in danger too so yeah I'm very happy that you're you're in a good better safer place Um, I wanted to know, too, this last uh, chunk of this set of questions, uh, how has the pandemic affected your view of the country, of the United States, and of the world at large? Oh, my goodness. This this is actually a really huge topic that I was personally affected by with a friend. Um, You know, we've been going through protests. So not only are we going through a global pandemic, but really like a social almost uprising with the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, For me, I had to explain to my friend who's only been here in the States for about four years now. She has two kids and she had concerns about Black people, unfortunately. And I had to really educate her, but how can you educate someone on the U.S. history in one sitting in three hours? You really can't. Um, but that's why I feel that America is great in its sense that we're, you know, all about capitalism. We're, you know, here where most of us are entrepreneurs, like how we're doing now. And in other countries, it's very prevalent, like in Vietnam, um, their ways are entrepreneurship. They just like want to, oh, you want to start a t-shirt company? You can easily do that. Um, and she was just trying to make points that why can't America be more like it is at home? And it, it was just crazy. I had to break down so much because she was like avid towards one party for some reason, but she could not, when asked hey, why do you support this party? She could not really make stances or anything because she doesn't find the need to, you know, 
research our history, what each party stands for, how America really works. And I just, for me, one thing I would really want every immigrant to do is have that, you know, that drive to really learn about us so you don't get these stereotypes of why are you scared of black people? Why are you scared of homeless people? Um, why do you feel these ways? Is it because of your experiences? Um, that's how I normally talk with people. I try and ask them, hey, like, did something happen to you here? Or did something happen back where you live um, in whatever country to make you feel this way? I just kind of just get really basic logic with it. And that was one of my breaking points, I guess, during the lockdown where it was kind of saddening that, you know, somebody who I knew for five plus years felt that way. I never knew about this until we were pressured to all be together and have these serious talks that needed to happen. That's so true. I mean, I think what we've come to realize is that when when we're in the position that we're in, that we can't be out and about and doing the things we normally do, we can't help but see these things a lot more clearly and hear them a lot more loudly, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm glad you brought that up because that's like the next set of questions here is about the social issues that have been brought up. So how have they, the social issues that have been raised through this pandemic, how have they impacted you personally? Like you told that story about uh, an interaction you had with your friend, did it kind of awaken something in you personally that uh, maybe had been dormant for a bit or did it reignite something that you've always been uh, passionate about? Uh, I don't want to sound cliche, but I, I do have um, friends that are people of color and sometimes I even question, like I've questioned in the past why things happened. Uh, Trevon Martin and like all of them, like in the past, I'm like, dude, like, how are you not more mad about this? Um, but I know inside they've they've been mad. You know, you can't tell some a person of color like how to feel when they've been feeling it for you know centuries and years now. But um, yeah, it was something that I had passion about, and I went to my first protest in I think it was Forest Ranch or Carmel Mountain with my friend, and it was cool because it was just all moms and you know my friend. Um, brought her baby along it was very peaceful uh it was small compared to the next protest i went to in mira mesa which was huge and to be honest i felt so much sense of pride because i have not seen so much youth come out in forever and you know no offense to the gen zers but i had no faith in them i just felt they were very immature for a very long time you know the things they talk about or you know, how they attack millennials too, like the boomers do. But in that moment, I felt very proud of where I came from, where I grew up, where I went to school, and to see all this, like, youth come out and all for one, like, stance. And their parents, you know, and whoever they wanted to bring with them, whether it was friends. And I think the most powerful moment was that one moment when I actually led a chant and um, it was great. Like I held on for as long as possible until my voice couldn't do anything any longer. Um, but you can feel it. And it's it's it was an amazing moment for sure. That is so awesome. Um, 
I've been to a few protests as well, um, but I've never been brave enough to start a chant. So that's really cool. Um, do, you, do you remember what you were chanting, what you were trying to get other people to uh, say with you? I do not. I, I believe it was like, um, it was just Black Lives Matter. And then I forgot what the other side said, but it, it kind of started like that because I come from like, color guard band where if i heard it from the other side it's just like you would do the opposite and then you know you'd keep it going but it grew louder and louder and then it became like a thing around me and it, it the whole energy and vibe was amazing and i just saw some like high schoolers or youth come up to me and just give me like a bump on the hand and i was like now it's your turn <laughs> passing the torch in a way huh yes <laughs> um I always like to ask this of, of people who who did go to protest. So, uh, what what motivated you? What pushed you to actually go to a physical protest? You know, I know a lot of people want to help and want to get involved, but maybe they're too afraid of contracting the virus, or um, you know, the media has ways of painting these as very, uh, especially at first, as being very violent or chaotic. So. You know, it's it's understandable to an extent why some people would be afraid and would not want to go to a protest. So what what pushed you beyond those fears or worries or or doubts maybe and made you actually confident enough to go? Um, I was super motivated because, number one, it happened in my neighborhood when there was this Facebook group that was um, just about our like whole town, Mira Mesa and how like, you know, it's it used to be th something about inside jokes or like stores we used to see to it got a little political which i know like people don't like and a lot of people had opinions on why it shouldn't be happening in our neighborhood because they oh did you see what happened la mesa um we don't want our stores in our town to be lit up and destroyed and it was just so negative and all this fear and fear over what like change change that should have happened years ago um it just brought to light that there are still people out there that need to wake up really and you know it was me trying to be like hey i want to be a part of the group that proved them wrong that you know if you knew Mary Mesa for that long and if you knew how we were we have a lot of heart we have a lot of pride and we weren't going to let this little town burn up in flames. We were going to handle it in a mature way. And we wanted our voices to be heard. Um, a lot of people don't know that Mira Mesa is a super big melting pot of cultures and ethnicities. So when people say, oh, you don't need to be doing it in your neighborhood. We do because we have to, uh, all of us as a melting pot stood up for one social movement. And it matters. It, it matters. Like... It, sh it just showed like, hey, like, you know, screw redlining, which which happens in our neighborhood. I know because it's like everybody wanted to go to the best schools and the most competitive ones, even in our own town. Um, but it, it had to happen. And I don't care. I disagree with everyone that was being a negative Nancy about everything because we wanted to prove a point and we did. Yeah, um, and I'm and I'm glad you all went out there. Like you said, it really does make a difference to see, um, a that you're not alone in this, and b that you have a community or a neighborhood or 
even if they're not from your community or neighborhood, you have other people that are here to support you as well, which makes a big difference because sometimes, sometimes we feel like we're like screaming into a void or something and we're, we're trying to fight these things and we feel like, is anyone even listening? So I think it kind of goes back to what you're saying where you were leading that chant and you felt this like this ripple of energy just kind of, you know, reverberating off of that. So I think that's really cool. Um, how have these social issues, how have they impacted your relationship with uh, your family? Uh, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I still haven't had these talks with my direct family. Uh, most of my family reside elsewhere away from San Diego, and we've been pretty keeping up with the social distancing guidelines, um, especially since it's unfortunate that my cousin actually caught coronavirus and was hospitalized because for me, he's probably like nearing his 40s or early 40s, no huge health issues, and he um, unfortunately contracted it. And I, my parents are older than my step-parents, so I didn't want to you know kind of get them into anything that I would regret which was getting them sick <laughs> um, because you always hear about how coronavirus is asymptomatic but um, it's hard being Asian because everyone you know quote-unquote likes to always say hey like you're Asian you're racist and how I see it is empathize and just see that Maybe it just has to do with their past experiences, what it directly happened to them to lead them to have these stereotypes and feelings towards certain people or a figure or, you know, even a place can, you know, give you back these bad memories or good memories. Wow. I mean, I'm so sorry to hear about your cousin. Um, that that must have been very scary. That must have been very terrifying. Um and um how how did that um make you think about the the coronavirus did it kind of make it a little bit more real did it make you more upset when some people were continuing to not follow the rules and not wear their masks or gather in large numbers like um and and how's your cousin doing now uh he definitely fully recovered uh I was I was shocked really because his brother was um saying oh you know Asian people were you know it, it won't really happen to us here you know we have pretty good like immune systems <laughs> and I just I was just talking with him like a few weeks ago about it and you know he works in a casino so I was asking oh when are you guys gonna open up again um so it was, it was just ironic that a few weeks later his brother got it and we were just like oh my god like you know my mom decided not to tell me until you know he recovered and got out of the hospital of course because she didn't want to freak me out and because she knows out of all of my siblings I'm the most I guess I'm like a doer I'm an action person I'm like okay what do we need to do next what do this is what we need to do like you need to stay home mom like or you know like get really like um strict on steps or sequences we need to do next like what are the actions we need to take versus my other siblings are like oh you gets better you know or like oh i told you like you should have stayed away <laughs> and i'm just here like what are the actions we need to take um but it, it was very unfortunate to hear because um i think at that time it was actually hitting closer with everyone i felt like 
almost everyone in my network knew someone close to them that contracted it. So at that point, I was like, okay, so this is definitely, you know, it's real. But it sucks that it's hitting closer to everyone now. This interview will continue in the next episode.